A thousand apologies, pavement pounders, for being late by 24 hours. Yes, we're running a little late uh, for this week's podcast. Unfortunately, I was traveling, and I'm going to talk about it as we get into the uh, podcast. I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so uh, I was unable to do it, but here we are a day late. And all the gold that you love here on the Harlan Highway. I'm Harlan Williams. And yes, we're going to be talking about my travels. We're going to be talking about springtime and the horrific thing that happens in the spring. It's called allergy season. Oh my God. Not fun. Uh, Also, I'm going to be playing a song for you later. A really sentimental, beautiful song that kind of... If, if, if you if you like kind of heartfelt songs, you're going to like this one a lot. It's, it's sung by a very unusual character, um, and I think you'll like it. Uh, also, a crazy news story. Oh, yeah, it involves uh, Mexican food and uh, opioids. Let's just, let's just leave it right there. And then the uh, very important Harland Highway question of the day. Oh, yes, this one involves... Uh, this, this one involves our military might, the United States of America and its military might, the Harland Highway question of the day. So put your battle gear on, tighten your uh, weapons belts. Here we go. This is the Harland Highway. How do you know my name? It's on the marriage certificate. I've never seen you before in all my life. Hold on to your airbag. The heartless, heartless monsters. All of you through and through. You're riding down the Harland Highway. Oh, yeah! When you see a fallen star, that means a witch has just died. You clumsy idiot. The Harland Highway. All I want is to hear people say something again and to see people moving again. I'm Floyd Bernie, the rockabilly boy. Don't you understand? You're listening to Harlan Williams. I can't be your daughter. I'm a machine. Man, you've been dead a thousand years. By George, I think he's got it. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harlan Williams. What's up, Doc? Mister, if you don't lose, you're going to lose right now. Don't leave me here! Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Harland Highway. How are you? Hello. Um, great to have you on board for the highway. Um, it's another week. Let's make it a good one. So, you know, I feel like summer. Is it, is it officially summer yet? Or are we still in spring? I'll tell you what is official. Pollen, man. How many of you are starting to feel the old uh, hay fever coming down the can you tell I'm a little bit stuffy? I sound like, uh, I found like, sound like Dudley Duane or some kind of cartoon character. I'm all stuffy. Um, but boy, can it get miserable. Oh, God. The, the key to, to the allergies is don't rub your eyes. Once you itch those eyes, you're like, ooh, they're kind of itchy. I'll just, I'll just give them a little rub, a little, just to get rid of that initial itch. And then once you, once you touch the eyes, dude... You might as well get like a like a hot poker and just gouge them out because you it's like you're addicted. You're addicted to your own eyes. You can't stop. It's like watching a, a if you open a washing machine and you watch watch the middle of the washing machine go round and round, right the way it churns around in that circle. That's like that's like your knuckle in your eye. It's just you can't stop. You can't get out of the spin cycle, and then then all of a sudden you. You know, you you pull your knuckle away from your eye, and it, it looks like you, you look like a British bulldog all of a sudden. You, your eyes are all puffy. You look like one of those goldfish with the big bulgy eyes. Speaking of that, I gotta tell you, you know, when I, I I'm gonna break away for a second here because something funny happened this weekend. I was doing uh, stand-up comedy shows in Pittsburgh. And by the way, what a great weekend we had. I mean, sold out shows, not all of them, but I'd say half of them and just, you know, great crowds and then people were really there to laugh and have a good time. And so thank you, Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Improv. What a blast. But, you know, I improvise with the crowd a lot. I talk to the crowd and, uh, you know, a lot of times I make stuff up right on the fly 
And for some reason, I was looking at this lady, and I don't know where it came from. But I said to her, for, for no real reason, I just said, you ever go to a pet shop and buy one of those goldfish with the great big bulgy puffy eyes and dangle it over your face and pretend you're teabagging yourself? <laughs> it was so stupid. It's one of those moments, like, sometimes I'll start laughing on stage. And, uh, and I just, everyone started laughing hysterically and I was laughing and boy, is it fun when you, when you go to a show and you're the guy laughing, you're supposed to be making everyone else laugh, but you're the guy laughing. That's like, that's like stealing almost. But anyways, back, back to the old, uh, back to the old, uh, you know, allergy stuff. Like I said, don't, don't go near your eyes. Okay. You're just asking for more misery. Um, and uh, speaking of Pittsburgh, I got, I want to tell you, this is a funny story too. You ever meet people that are so unaware and clued out and just, you just, you just look at them and go, what, what the hell is going on with that person? So I went yesterday to see John Wick three. Don't get me started. Um, I go see John Wick three and, uh, I'm at the movie theater and there's a snack bar and there's two lines with with like ropes, you know, like so so everyone's like lined up. You can clearly see it's the only two lines. There's like those those like guiding ropes that they put up. They're not ropes, but the little strap things, right? So everyone's lined up, you know, five or six people deep each side. And you can see the snack bar and you can see the popcorn machines and you can see the the slushy machines, you know, it's a, it's a freaking uh, movie theater snack bar. And I'm standing at the back of the line. Cause I just got there and there's a, a at the line beside me. And this lady walks up probably like in her like late fifties, early sixties, kind of chubby, kind of looks like, you know, looks like your typical, like Midwestern chubby housewife, right? Pleasant enough white lady. And she walks up to the back of the line and she, she looks at like kind of no one in particular, but was kind of directing it at me and the other people at the back of the line. She's like, Oh, um, where do you go to get popcorn? And we're just looking there. We like me and the people at the back of the line just started looking at each other. Like what, what the hell is she talking about? She's like, does anyone know where to go to get popcorn? Is this the line? And we're just like, and, and we're looking at her like, is she for real? And she goes, oh, so nobody wants to tell me? Okay, fine. Nobody wants to tell me where to get popcorn. And she like, she huffs off. And we were just, me, me, there was a girl in the other line at the back. And we just looked at each other and broke up laughing. We were like, the hell is that? And then, and then, and then I turned to her, I said to her, I said, what, do we work here? Like, how do you not know? You're at a movie theater. There's the snack bar. Everyone's in line. There's a great big popcorn machine there popping away, you idiot. Does anyone know where the popcorn is? Where do I get the popcorn? Okay, nobody wants to tell me? Fine, nobody wants to tell me where to get the popcorn. Just hilarious. It always cracks me up when people do all that stuff. Um, but anyways, uh, so a great time in uh, Pittsburgh. I can feel the, uh, the uh, pollen starting. And uh, it's okay. Summer is here. Yay. The Harlan Highway question of the day. Okay, here it is. What do you think about the military? That's the big question of the day. And I don't mean overall. I just mean here's why I came up with the question. You know, we pay for the military. Me, you, all of you listening. The, the military is paid for with our tax dollars. It's ours. And, um... Lately, and I don't know if it's because Trump's in power or it's just a fluke or it's just something new or whatever, but I live in Los Angeles and I travel around the country and I've noticed that since kind of Trump got into power, and again, it might not be him, I, I, it, let's not make this a Trump thing, I'm just wondering out loud. I've noticed in the last little while, like the last few years, since around the time Trump got elected, and again, could be a complete fluke or coincidence, but I've noticed, like, the military presence in the air, 
more than I ever have before. And, and case in point, like in Los Angeles, I've noticed like every now and then fighter jets fly over the city. Every now and then like a squadron of like Black Hawk helicopters go by. And, and it's happening. It happens a lot more than it used to. And and when I travel around, like I've been down in Florida and other places, and I've seen, I've seen the military aircraft in all their different, uh, you know, incarnations, zooming across the sky or flying across in a in a formation or a pattern. And I gotta say, even we're not at war. I mean, we are at war with countries overseas, but we're not. We're not at war with anybody close by that would warrant that our skies are filled with our our military hardware. But yet, here I keep kind of sensing and seeing the presence of our powerful and mighty and, dare I say, very impressive Air Force and and all the, uh, the uh, aeronautical equipment that we have that's uh, military-related. And I'm not a warmonger, and I'm not uh, someone who wants war or fighting. And I, I, in fact, I, I, I don't like that stuff at all. But I gotta say, you know, as a tax dollar, sometimes you wonder, like, well, what, seventeen trillion dollars for our military? Yeah, that, yeah, a hundred seventeen tri- billion trillion dollars for you know, we put a lot of money into that military. So, so there's two things about seeing actual aircraft go by that that uh, these are the feelings I get and and you let me know how you feel about it one I go you know what it's kind of nice to see our equipment go by I mean we pay so much for it and you never really see it unless you're living in a war zone and every now and then it's nice to see a freaking beautiful streamlined technological masterpiece miracle streak by in the sky at the speed of freaking sound, man. I mean, let's face it, these these jet fighters we have, and even the helicopters, these things are engineering miracles. They're, they're, They're unbelievable. And if you hate war and you hate the war machine, well, you know, if you can separate yourself from that and just look, look at this thing as a, as a machine, as as a as a, a piece of uh, aeronautical uh, beauty, I mean the speed, the the, the precision, the, the power, holy God! I mean it is impressive. It, it's impressive when just one flies over, but when like four or five fly over in a formation or a a squadron of Black Hawk helicopters goes by. There, there's a feeling. You you feel that. That's like, whoa. That's like almost like if superheroes were real. You know, if you could see Iron Man or the Hulk or there's that, that bundled up energy, that power. Man, when a, when a uh, supersonic fighting jet goes by, an F-16 or a Hornet or whatever they're called, when they go by and they break the sound barrier and that jet engine explodes, it's like, whoa. You just feel the power, man. So there's the beauty of that. There's the beauty of seeing the actual thing that we pay for. And it's nice to know that it's like, okay, that's where our money goes. Give us a little bit of a show. And yeah, maybe they're just test flying or whatever. They might be wasting gas or, you know, I doubt they're wasting gas. They're probably training. I mean, those things, you got to stay on top of a machine like that to be efficient and proficient at it and skilled. So I don't mind that they buzz over my house or or I see them out, out in the world. I like it. And then the second thing is, is it's like, you know, we, we pay for this stuff. So part of it's like, show me, show. Yeah, I, I like to be reminded. And then thirdly, it, it's also like, it's kind of neat to be reminded that oh yeah we we have a military we we have fighting power we we're freaking strong man it's like oh yeah that you don't mess with us it's like how many of you have a house and you keep a pit bull in the house or a big dog or a guard dog or you you kind of feel good because your husband goes to the gym or your wife's taking a 
a martial arts class. Like the, you know, you 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 like that, or you you installed a security system on your home. It's kind of cool, right? When you when you kind of know you you can you can see like tangibly see the security. And so there's a lot of different cool things happening when the presence of the military, and I'm talking about in the air, is felt. Because a lot of the time you, you don't see. You could go years without seeing a fighter jet. You could go a decade. You could go who knows how long. Some people have probably never seen them. And so I like it when I'm just out gardening, I'm raking, or I'm watering the lawn, and all of a sudden, you know, like three Viper Tomcat Tina Turner, Fire Hellcat, Space Satan, 924, fuel-injected, Klingon fucking blast-off machines go by or whatever they're called. They always have crazy names, right? But it feels kind of good. It's like, yeah, man, I paid for that. Let me see it. Yeah, I live in the most powerful military country in the world. Give me a little reminder. Give me a little... Give me a little shot in the arm. Let me experience it. I'm paid for it. I'm I'm paying seven trillion dollars for it. Give me a little show. Give me a demo. Remind me. You know, it's like it's like when you pay for something, you want to maybe see it now and then. You want to you want to get you you know you pay for internet service. You use your internet. You pay for cable or satellite for your TV. You want to watch your TV. I'm paying seven trillion bucks for, you know. All these giant uh, supersonic jets and helicopters. Let me freaking see one, man. So there you go. And again, it's it's not about war. It's not about, you know, if, if we could fly these things around and never drop a bomb and kill anybody, that would be the ultimate for me. But just these were just deterrents. And in a lot of cases, that's what they are, right? That's the downside of all that stuff. You know, war machines are designed to kill other human beings. That's the bottom line. Outside of the precision and the mechanics and the skill and really any any weapon that we have is pretty much designed to kill and take another human life. So that's that's the downside. But the other side, you know... If things go wrong, if if China or Russia or someone was to attack or the, a third world war broke out or whatever, it's nice to know you got that thing that you're paying for, right? It's good to see it, good to feel it, good to go out in the garage, take the tarp off and sit in the seats and smell the leather, right? So there you go. That's the Harlan Highway question of the day. Do you like seeing... Your military in action, do you like seeing the birds in the air? I know I do. Ah! The Harlan Highway question of the day. The Harlan Highway question of the day. All right, switching gears from, from fighting machines, fighting apparatus, to romance apparatus. How about that leap? Hello? Um... So um, recently I did a show in Las Vegas. I opened up a Jimmy Kimmel, the late night uh, talk show host, opened a brand new comedy club in Las Vegas uh, two weeks ago and uh, asked me, yours truly, to open the club, to be the uh, opening act for the opening weekend. And uh, that was quite the honor. And uh, Jimmy himself was there for the weekend and we hung out in the green room and he was very... uh, very complimentary and told me what a fan he was and was grateful that I was opening it. And I, in turn, was uh, said I was honored to be asked and blah, blah, blah. So we had a great time. The show's beautiful. The, the club's beautiful. It's it's really nice. If you're in Las Vegas, I recommend you uh, you drop by Jimmy's Comedy Club. It's really, uh, really a good one. Um, and one of, the, uh, one of the cool things is... Uh, Across the street, so Jimmy's Club is, I guess, is under the banner of, of Caesar's Palace. And uh, and Caesar's Palace is actually right across the street. And so the entertainment director for Caesar's was also at the shows all weekend talking to me. And just a great guy. We were chatting, and he was making sure I was comfortable and asking if everything was okay. And, 
He was asking my advice about the club. Was there anything I didn't like, anything I liked? You know, because it was their opening weekend, so he wanted to get feedback. And it turns out that across the street at uh, Caesars, there was this this act, and I, I just regret that I didn't have time to go to it. But uh, apparently, and I'm pissed off I didn't know about it when it was going down, but apparently this act came to one of my shows to watch the stand-up. That's what I was told. And uh, I wish I had a chance to talk to him, but it's a guy that just uh, kind of emerged last year from America's Got Talent. And uh, he's this really tall guy, and he wears a clown outfit, and his name is Puddles, and his act is called Puddles Pity Party. And, and the first time I saw this guy, he came out on America's Got Talent, and this guy's probably well over six feet, maybe six and a half feet tall, and and wears like a white clown costume with his whole head is painted white. He's bald, and he's got like, you know, little teardrops under his eyes, and and this guy comes out, and what he does is he does cover versions of pop tunes. And you're like, okay, whoopee-doo. But here's the kicker. The guy's got an incredible voice. Like the, this guy, I think he, he might have secretly have been an opera singer or, or something. But this guy's range and, and the emotion he puts in his voice, he's very theatrical. And the whole, like, you know, sad clown is, is all part of the, the gimmick, you know? And, uh, and so when I saw him on America's Got Talent, I really liked the guy. He, he didn't win, but he, he, was, he was really a, a great, like, talented singer and performer. And to know that he was at my show bums me out because if I'd known, I would have asked to meet him. And if I had time, I would have I liked to have gone across the street and watched his show over at Caesars. But nonetheless, uh, I wanted to... Uh, I wanted you to hear this guy. I don't have the rights or the per- the permission to play his song or anything. So th- this is just cl- this is just a, a promotion for him. I want people to go see him. I like him. I-, I hope if you're in Vegas, you see him, or if you're on YouTube, you look him up. Uh, but he uh, he did a cover version of a song from the 1970s called "Telephone Line" by the Electric Light Orchestra. And this is a really beautiful song, and it's just kind of a soft, slow song about a man uh, trying to call his woman and just wishing she would pick up the phone. And and if if she'd just pick it up, he'd have so many things to tell her and say to her and, and spill his emotions out onto her, you know? And uh, I think that's a situation we've all been in, and even more so back in the 70s because all we had were landlines, right? And so sometimes you would plan your, your evening or your afternoon or even your day around the phone just hoping that that person you were romantically interested in would call. And I was talking to a, funny enough, a, a limo driver the other day. I was He was driving me to the airport, and we started talking about cell phones and how much kind of madness they're kind of creating in society. And this guy was a bit older, and we started talking about the landline and how, you know, you, if you liked a girl, you, you couldn't wait for her to call, and there was this anticipation, and you'd sit by the phone and your heart would start beating and you, you get all tongue-tied because, you know, when someone decided to phone you on the landline, that was kind of like a moment. It was a commitment. It wasn't like today with cell phones where you can text and sext and call. And, you know, people don't even call anymore. I think they'd rather text than call. People don't want to hear each other's voices. But back in the 70s and the 80s, it, it was a thing when, when, a, when your girl called, man. It got the butterflies going. It, it was just like it was romantic, and it was like you made use of that time. You you, you wanted to, to try and say something that was cool or, 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 or catchy or engaging so that you could stay on the line with that girl, and you were nervous and... Oh man, it was it was a whole it was a whole ordeal, man. And we were talking about how we missed the landlines and. 
and uh, and how that was kind of like your 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 entryway into kind of getting a relationship going with a girl is is if you could manage to talk to her on the phone. It was uh, it was the beginning of something, and then once you kind of establish something with your boyfriend and girlfriend, well, then it became a situation, and this happened to me many times where, you know, if you were separated. You had to you had to figure out a time where you could call, or you'd have to you'd have to figure out a, a time when you could arrange to make a phone call or talk to each other, or and and sometimes when you were lonely, you couldn't just you, there was no cell phone. So so if you really wanted to cry your eyes out or pour out your emotions or whatever, you had to like make sure you you got her on the phone. And so uh, this song by Electric Light Orchestra is just, it's really sentimental. Uh, you younger listeners might not be able to relate to it, but you older listeners might, uh, I, I just find it very emotional and passionate and heartfelt and almost a sense of sadness when I listen to it because it's, you can you can hear the, uh, you know, the in the voice of, of, of Puddles, um, the, the, the kind of that that longing that if, if you would just pick up the phone if I could just tell you how I feel I'd, I'd let you hear everything and just so you know that the uh the group electric light orchestra also look at their their video they they're the ones that wrote this song and and they sing it beautifully as well this guy just puts a, a different a little bit of a different twist on it um but anyways what I want to do is play it for you like I said, I don't have the rights to it or anything, so I just it's really just for exposure to, you know, Electric Light Orchestra and to this guy Puddles Piddle Pity Party. It's a tongue twister, man. So sit back. I hope you enjoy this song. It's it's very romantic and sad and touching and sentimental and emotional and it's full of feeling and and it's very heartfelt and uh it's one of those one of those things, if you watch the video, I think Puddles also emotes that in his performance. So without further ado, here it is. This is Electric Light Orchestra's telephone line as reimagined by Puddles Pity Party. Roll it, Rog. Time 
up and gets louder after the little break there i think that's that that's an adele song i think he added that on as a little mashup so uh just the end little segment there is a totally different song but uh it's it's a great performance check them out on youtube puddles piddle party pity party god puddles um on youtube and uh, i think you'll like the performance okay so no one's answering can't you just let it ring a little longer 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 oh i'll just sit tight in shadows of the night if you'd pick up that telephone do up up. Oh God, I just love it. I can't. I just love. I look at that video over and over again. I just, I just love it so much. It's so, it's so heartfelt. Just, it kind of makes me sad. It brings back a lot of memories. When you know, I used to have girlfriends back in the seventies and the eighties, and I had my hair parted in the middle. I looked like Teen Wolf with pimples. It just brings back a lot of sentimental memories. Hello? How are you? Have you been alright? All these lonely, 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 lonely nights. That's what I'd say. And tell you anything. If you'd pick up the telephone. Why am I Scottish? Why... How did I become Scottish in that moment? I don't know why. I was just talking. I was singing. And suddenly I'm Scottish. What the hell is that? Oh, the mysteries of life. One minute you're just Harlan. And the next minute you're Harlan McTavish. And you're singing telephone line. Okay. So nobody's answering. Well, you just let it ring a little longer, 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 longer. Whoa, I'll just sit tight in shadows of the night. If you'll pick up that fucking telephone, goddammit. What is, why, Roger, why am I Scottish? All right, Let me, let's clear the head. Roger, let's do a crazy news story to close out the show. 
I gotta, I gotta get this Scottish thing out, out, up me system. Go ahead, play a crazy, crazy news story, Raja. The Harland Highway. Crazy news story. That's weird. Wow. That's strange stuff. I think you're crazy. All right. Let's do it. There's never a shortage of crazy news stories out there. This one's, I don't know, maybe we're all guilty of this one. Possibly. Here's here's the headline. Man tries to order Taco Bell from drive through bank teller. Gets arrested for DUI. <laughs> oh, America is so much fun. A Florida man. Uh-oh. Guess what happened in Florida? Why does so many? Why do so many of these stories happen in Florida? You Floridians are a colorful bunch. A Florida man was arrested for driving under the influence after pulling up to a drive-through window at a bank and trying to order a burrito. Douglas Francisco, 28, had reportedly fallen unconscious after entering the drive through lane at the Bank of America in Spring Hill on Wednesday afternoon. The bank's manager says he reached out and knocked on the window of Francisco's blue Hyundai sedan for some time before the unconscious man roused himself awake and placed his order for a burrito. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you just imagine that? The guy's like asleep and he just hears like on the window and he just says, eyes, yeah, man, like, uh, give me like a burrito with like extra beans and onions, bro, and like uh, orange Fanta and like some ch- Cheerios. Uh, sir, would you like to make a deposit? Uh, yeah, dude, I'd like to deposit that burrito right in my mouth because I'm fucking really hungry. I got the munchies, bro. Um, would you like to make a withdrawal? Yeah, you know, after all, I kind of put it in my mouth and take a bite, then I'll withdraw it, chew for a while, swallow, and then I'll make another deposit. Is that what you mean, bro? Um... The uh, the manager at the bank informed Francisco he was not at a Taco Bell drive-thru and called the police. Officers from the uh, sheriff's office arrived to find Francisco parked a short distance away in the bank's parking lot with his motor still running. I wonder if he was imagining he was eating the burrito. They administered field sobriety tests, which Francisco failed and noted in a police report that he made several statements that were differing with reality. Francisco was also found to be carrying oxycodone and Xanax at the time of his arrest, but had prescriptions for both. Of course he did. Because prescriptions for those types of uh, those pills is, are so hard to get nowadays. I mean, I think they're handed... Yeah, they're probably handing those. He, he probably could have asked the guy at the teller window at the bank for opioids and Xanax and probably would have actually got it. A burrito's too big of a reach. A Taco Bell burrito, no way. But the way they're handing out, like, illegal drugs these days, he probably could have got that. Okay, so you don't have any burritos, right? No, sir. How about some, like, opioids? Yes, sir. How many would you like? I don't know. Do you have a funnel in there? Can you just pour, like, a bag down my throat? Absolutely, sir. That would be called a deposit. Yeah, give me a deposit of opioids, bro. And you sure you don't have, like, even a taco or, like, a chimichupa or a chollywally or a chumbalaya or any of those, like, cool Mexican-named foods? No, sir. Just the opioids. Okay, I'll take them. Can you put some onions and maybe some black beans on them, though? Sir, if you could just take your opioids and drive away. Okay, bro, I got you right. What about my orange Fanta? Go, sir. Okay, bro, I'm on my way. So there you go, man. Only in America, some idiot drives up to a bank and asks for a Taco Bell burrito. And surprise, surprise, he's on prescription meds. Oh, crazy news story. We'll see you in Florida.
All right. Um, what else is going on? Um, I went to see the new John Wick movie. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rip it the way I did the Avengers movie a few weeks ago. Uh, but the John Wick movie, at least you know what you're getting. They're not. They're not trying too hard. It's John Wick shooting people and. Uh, but I will say this, okay? I don't know how many of you have seen the John Wick with Canal Reeves or Canoe Reeves or Kayak Reeves or whatever his name is. Uh, but uh, it, it's basically uh, Canal Reeves is like some kind of, he's, he's involved in this society of assassins and killers. And I think he's a guy that kind of got out. And in the first John Wick, he was just a guy living in the suburbs. He had a he had a hot rod and a pit bull. And he lived in his house and he just wanted to be left alone. And one day people from the past showed up and kind of got in his business and kidnapped his dog and stole his car. And so he just wanted to get those back. That's all. But he's a, he was one dangerous bad mofo. You you don't mess with John Wick. He's he's like one of these he can kill you with the look of his eye, right? So the first John Wick was really kind of engaging and somewhat relatable because it was just about a guy in the suburbs who just wanted to watch TV and cook his dinner and kick his feet up at the end of the day and suddenly gets pulled into this this world of like high-end secret society like assassins. And you're like, okay, kind of like average Joe with hidden secret martial arts skill has to fight back against all the bad dudes. It was kind of like grounded in reality a little bit because he had a home life. And then the second one was like kind of now he's just kind of like it's all about him in this weird society and he's killing guys. And then the third one, totally unrelatable, the one that just came out because it's just right out of the gate. It's about him and all the assassins in this secret society and he's going up against them and and so there's no like groundedness where you feel like you can connect to him because he's a guy that has a normal life. So the movie's just kind of blowing up into this thing where you're just like, okay, I'm supposed to relate to this how? Uh, I'm not really connecting to any of this. So you're just watching a guy running around for two hours shooting and killing guys that are just like him, like high-end, high-trained incredible, like state-of-the-art assassins, okay? And you have to ask yourself, John Wick is a, more, is a mortal man. He has no superpowers. So you have to ask yourself, how much better is John Wick's ability and training to evade knives and bullets and karate chops to the throat than any of the other highly skilled trained guys who have made it into this elite society. You can't get in unless you're the best of the best. And so a marker goes out for John Wick, and all of a sudden, all the best of the best, like 300 of the top secret assassins are hunting and gunning for John Wick with knives and silencers and machine guns and motorcycles and and, you know, like you see, probably see John Wick kill 300 people in this movie. Okay. And not one of them, let alone, do they not stab him? Actually got stabbed once in the shoulder where it didn't count, but he didn't get hit with one bullet. He didn't take any other stabs. He, uh, he somehow evaded every single shot that these expert marksmen shot at him. So anyways, it, you got to buy into it, I guess, but it's just, it was so over the top and, and he's just killing, I, I can't even, I wouldn't even be able to watch, I'd have to watch the movie 30 times to get the exact body count, but I'm not exaggerating. Probably in this movie, he kills like 200 people on screen. Like that's how graphic it is. It's just one after the other. You just become numb to it. It's just bizarre. Um... And yes, of course, because I always mention this, not because I hate women, I love women, but nowadays we live in a world where you always have to put the empowering woman in a movie because God forbid a, a man a man can't stand on his own anymore. If you don't put a woman in, suddenly you're a sexist or you don't like women or whatever the reasoning is. 
So here's a movie called John Wick. That's the title. It's about John Wick. It's about John Wick fighting for his life. And then for no particular reason, there's a scene in the middle of the movie where he goes to some place out in the Middle East and he enlists the help of Halle Berry who shows up. Halle Berry, leather pants, looking hot. And Halle Berry's got these two, like, like uh, you know, really killer-trained uh, German Shepherd guard dogs. And so he's with Halle Berry for about 10, maybe 15 minutes of the movie. And it turns out Halle Berry's like the female version of John Wick. So there's a scene where the two of them just go on a killing spree. And she's doing everything he can, if not better. Like there's... There's moments where John Wick's just like out of the scene. Like it's just her killing and fighting and somersaulting and shooting and jumping. And and it's like, okay, what's the point of showing her? Like wh- why do we need to see her? And and of course, what it, what it does is it totally dilutes the movie. It dilutes John Wick's character because just like I said in The Avengers, when you show someone else doing exactly what John Wick's doing, whether it's a man or a woman, you just go, oh, well, maybe John Wick's not that special at all. And the comparison I made to my friend is it's like in the Avengers movie, when you go see it, you'll see Iron Man, and all of a sudden everyone's in an Iron Man costume. Pepper Potts and Don Cheadle and the Incredible Hulk. If everyone's wearing an Iron Man costume, then how special is Iron Man? And so that's what happened in John Wick. Suddenly Halle Berry's like kicking ass at the same level that that John Wick is. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess John Wick isn't that special after all. So anyways, this is the world of movies we live in. All in all, it was kind of a fun ride. If you like action, adventure, and choreographed uh, martial arts scenes and stuff, it's good. Canal Reeves somehow has this mystique about him. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like, for some reason, you just like the guy. It, it It's like, you don't really sit there and go, wow, what a great actor. But you don't, you also don't go, what a bad actor. There's just, there's something about him. I think, I think Canal Reeves gets it. I think he's been able to establish and maintain a mystique about himself. Because he's one of those guys that harkens back to the older movie stars like Jack Nicholson and Sean Penn and guys like that, where it's like, they don't put themselves out there. They don't do a ton of interviews. They don't do talk shows. They kind of have this air of aura of mystery about them, the way old movie stars used to. And they keep the public guessing about what they're like. And, and so when you see them in movies, there's kind of this, oh, wow, he's such a weird, cool guy, you know? And so I like that. I like that. He's kind of like the, the new Clint Eastwood in a way where – he kind of has a raspy voice now, and he, he's very limited with his words, with his dialogue. Clint Eastwood used to be like that in the old spaghetti westerns and the Dirty Harry movies. You know, just kind of very limited dialogue, and when he did speak, it was kind of impactful because it's like, oh, wow, he's talking, you know? And Canal Reeves, he kind of holds you when he's, when he's about to say something. You're kind of waiting, and he's like, I don't think so. You know, he's just, it's not, not, nothing he says is that important, but somehow it resonates because you've waited so long to hear him talk. He's, the whole movie's just running and shooting and stabbing. And so anyways, there you go. Little brief rundown. I'm not going through the whole movie of John Wick like I did with the Avengers, but just some highlights and some pointers. And, uh, and you know what? Look at the time. We're running out of time. By the way, I want to apologize. We were a day late. Uh, today's Tuesday, and normally the podcast launches on Monday, but I was traveling. I had a, I had a lot of traveling to do. I had to fly to three different cities uh, on Sunday and Monday, or sorry, on Monday. So uh, it was just too impossible for me to get the the podcast done. I didn't want to rush it. I didn't. I I, I wouldn't have had time to rush it anyway. So. So uh, my apologies for the tardiness and being a day late, but uh, nonetheless, we got her going, baby. I hope you have a great week. Thanks for being here as we wind down the Harland Highway, and uh, we will uh, catch you next Monday on time. And until then, 
Keep on rocking. Enjoy your uh, Bank of America burritos and chicken chow mein, baby. Hello? Hello? Okay. So no one's answering. 